Everyone knows Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and the community. Over the course of the last year, we have become painfully aware of the very negative headlines national media projected across the country regarding all law enforcement agencies. Over the last several months, and after numerous investigations, we have learned that these negative headlines did not tell the whole story, but rather painted a picture designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. Law Matters wants you to hear all the facts so you can decide for yourself. As these investigations conclude, these stories will be featured on our Truth Matters page on lawmatters1030.org website. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We have Hal Kempfer on the phone. He's going to give us an update on Ukraine. Good morning, Hal. Good morning, Sherry. How are you doing? Doing great. I'm freezing, but I'm doing okay. (laughs) It's been a cold week. Um... Well, uh, a lot is happening with Ukraine. Uh, you may have seen yesterday that there was a uh, massive uh, missile attack uh, across Ukraine, uh, again, knocking out critical infrastructure, uh, primarily aimed at, at basically freezing Ukrainians, uh, taking out energy, uh, power, gas, water, uh, wow. and, and going after these fixed targets. And interestingly, uh, a preponderance of the weapons used were uh, some of their more advanced cruise missiles, uh, which they don't have a lot of. And in many cases, uh, they've been using actually anti-air or air defense missiles, the Russians have, uh, in, in a ground attack mode, which uh, was an indication of just how how low they are on, on missiles to do such things. But, what it, you know, where we tend to cover and what's getting a lot of coverage because it, it does work particularly on television, is, is scenes of people seeing people lined up to get water, you know, the lights out, people burning stoves because they don't have any electricity or, or gas in their homes. The, there's another side of that story. Of the 76 missiles launched against Ukraine, 60 of them were intercepted by the Ukrainians. Wow. And of, and of that, 40 were aimed at its capital, Kiev. And of the 40, 37 were intercepted. And, you know, we've been talking for a while about this, uh, this improved air defense capability. Uh, well, I think this is an indicator that it's getting much better. And, and what's, what I think what's key is we're not just talking, you know, the, the, the Iranian, the slow-moving Iranian drones. We're talking their, their better systems, what, what they have left. Uh, we're able to intercept. So I think that's that's actually something that's a, a little story within that story uh, that's been missed. Uh, on the ground, uh, there's been a lot of news about Belarus and Russia doing some sort of attack from the north. But all indications are that Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, has, is really pulling back. He's put out some language saying that uh, essentially, you know, at the beginning of the war and before the war, he basically handed over the keys of the of the of the Belarus military to uh, Russia, if you will. Uh, now he seems to be pulling back, and I think it's a recognition that if uh, Belarus gets pulled into this uh, disastrous war, uh, his time in power and perhaps his time on this planet might be uh, greatly curtailed. Uh, because of uh, what that would do politically to him in Belarus. So he's been pulling back a lot. There are, there are war games, if you will, exercises going on. Uh, the, but the Ukrainians are dug in. They're ready. This will not be a replay of what we saw in late February. 
the Ukrainians will, will probably repel them. And, and frankly, they just don't have the forces to do this. Uh, overall, the Ukrainian military has been warning that the Russians are planning a big offensive, perhaps in February, maybe as early as late January. But uh, of, of all, everyone looking at this as an offensive with, with what? They don't have a lot. About half of that 300,000 mobilized reservists, as they call them, some of them were literally just pulled off the streets with no military background. About half of those were thrown into the fight, and they have become basically a cannon fodder. It has been an absolute meat grinder going on across the, the entire front there. And the other half have been put into some sort of training thing, and they're also training up the conscripts that they brought in. And the thought is that they're going to bring them in. But, again, these are not well well-developed, um, established units with a lot of seasoned troops that are going into the fight. These are all, even even with the more advanced training, these are very green troops. An interesting thing, uh, within probably by Christmas, over a, according to Ukrainian estimates, over 100,000 Russian troops will have been killed. They're right now just shy of 98,000. Russian troops have been killed in this offensive. Uh, by and at the rate they're losing them, you know they've been in the last certainly since early September. It has been routine to see daily killed in action of Russian troops, somewhere around the 500 mark. All right, that's that's losing uh, pretty much a battalion a day. To give you an idea, right now, I mean, yesterday we just announced we're going to train. Uh, 500 Russian troops per month, uh, a battalion of, of – uh, not Russian, I'm sorry. Uh, we said we're training a battalion of Ukrainian troops per month in Germany. I was going to say, right? what the heck, Al? No, no, I thought no, you were on our down. side. Uh, I got to tell you, yeah, maybe I've been listening to the vice president too much when she was praising <laughs> North Korea, but <laughs> no. We said we're training 500 – we're going to start training 500 Ukrainian troops a month in, in – uh, in, uh, in, in, in Germany. Okay, that's, that's a significant improvement. Um, Russia is losing over 500 troops a day, according to Ukrainians, to give you an idea of, of, of what their losses are. And yesterday, their daily losses were almost 700 troops. Wow. Uh, that's just a phenomenal rate. And, uh, and, and, I, and I have to believe at some point that's going to have some political impact on, uh, on Putin. And, and they're, you're already starting to see that. There's a lot of, in fact, there's a lot of discussion actually on television where uh, uh, one one um, commentator uh, who who is very critical of Western uh, systems, Western uh, weapons going into uh, uh, into Ukraine, basically was was essentially eating crow on the air uh, yesterday, basically saying, "Yeah, they've been very effective against us." And then to hear these sorts of things and other things in the what they call the mill blogger space, the ultra nationalist military blogger space, to hear to hear the criticism that's going on, that's pretty big. And and let me just uh, say this: interestingly, there are certain things that Putin does at the end of the year. All right, that he's kind of famous for. One is he does a call-in show. He does it every year. And I'm not saying these are average Russians calling in. Do you have the number? Can I call? (laughs) You can't. (laughs) Well, you can't this year. He canceled that. Oh. He he canceled the call-in thing. 
First time he's done it. He's a weenie. Every year, yeah, every year he has a major uh, press conference, and he brings in not just Russian media, but also usually some foreign media as well. He canceled that, and every year under the Constitution of Russia, he's required to do essentially like a State of the Union address. It appears he's not going to do that either. And all of this is because uh, most experts have said he can't control the narrative. He can't explain what's going on in Ukraine, and he's desperately afraid that he's going to be in some sort of public public situation where they start asking un, you know uncomfortable questions that he can't readily answer. And that tells you kind of the, the desperate situation he's in, that now he's canceling these, even these orchestrated events. He's having to cancel just because he's not sure he has control over the audience uh, in front of him, which in Russia, that's pretty profound because they have some pretty draconian ways to control an audience, as, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. How come he was so surprised when the Ukraine's finally shot some missiles over into the Russian territory? It was what was that about a week or so ago? Yeah, well, and they, it was like, oh no, you're hitting my 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 property. <laughs> like, wait a minute, look what you did to Ukraine. Why did it well, take him well, so long well, to do that, and why was he so surprised? Uh, I I don't you know I honestly I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with Russian intelligence that that they didn't anticipate that. They, these were they weren't really super sophisticated missiles. I mean, they'd done some work on these. These were Soviet era missiles that they had reconditioned and done some, you know, put some advanced uh, technology in there in order to actually hit something. Um, and I think, and it's it's, it's a, there's a lot of speculation on these, and of course uh, on other things that when they get close, they actually have terminal guidance. So there might be, like, small teams of special operators uh, for deployed to make sure they actually hit the target that they're aimed at, uh, which gives you an idea of something that, that has been happening. There's something happening that's been going on for quite some time, is that Ukrainian special operations troops have been running around Crimea and, uh, and inside Russia for quite some time, and I'm not going to say with complete impunity, and if they get rolled up, I don't know if we ever hear about it, but they have been doing all sorts of stuff, and there was a series earlier in the war of bombings at various installations up and around, even north of Moscow, uh, that that went on, and then this attack took place, and then uh, about four days ago, five days ago, there were reports. I, I haven't heard President Biden say anything about it yet, but there were reports that uh, that the Pentagon and the White House have have changed their view on on whether Ukraine can do attacks within Russian territory. Because you know we we've been kind of pulling back because we were afraid that if they did that, it could escalate. Of course, the fear is it could escalate into something involving nuclear weapons. Right. Uh, but but it appears we pulled back, which goes to another thing that that we've been holding back on. Well, you know, we're sending, uh, by, it appears that we're going to be sending Patriot anti-air missile, uh, anti-missile, anti-air missiles systems over there. That's a huge capability. There's also a huge training pipeline that goes with that, too. So I'm not quite sure how fast it'll be deployed. But one thing we've held off with the HIMARS is uh, the, the, the longer-range attack of missiles. They can go out 300 kilometers. And the fear was if we give them those, those missiles, that they would start targeting a lot of these deep inside Russia spaces 
and that could cause a very escalation, you know, possibly with, you know, you know, possibly, uh, you know, with Russia responding with a tactical nuclear weapon or something like that. Well, they're holding their their nuclear plants hostage as we speak, which is a form of using nuclear weapons. Yeah. And and but it looks like, you know, with with this, if we're dropping opposition to doing attacks within Russian uh, territory, I am anticipating the next big thing would be at some point we allow them to uh, get some attack of missiles. And that could really change the war. And, and, and you may recall, in fact, it was just out today, but that, that there had been some testimony in Congress going back to late November that uh, that we had assessed that, that Ukraine did have the military capability to take the Crimean Peninsula. And for, for Russia, that's the crown jewel. That's the biggest reason they're down there is Crimea. And uh, for them, if they lose Crimea, particularly if they lose in a winter offensive, um, that will have enormous political ramifications in Moscow. And I'm not, I'm not predicting that, you know, Putin will be overthrown in a coup or anything like that. But I will tell you that Putin's situation will be uh, dramatically unsettled. Even worse than it is now. He's like the yeah. devil incarnate. You just, you know, you don't know. <laughs> you just don't know. Um, uh, a lot of parallels. A lot of parallels between him and Stalin. Yes, have been uh, mentioned. Yeah, he's just, and of course, going after civilians in Ukraine. That's uh, that's other thing. Uh, if I may, if I may, just uh, mention something else. Uh, you may have seen the news this week. You know, Africa is an area that. Uh, Russia has been pushing in. They've got a lot of uh, those Wagner, Wagner uh, uh, mercenaries running around in Africa, and they have been trying to extend their influence. And earlier, when there was a vote in the UN, a lot of African nations uh, withheld voting against Russia, which was somewhat frustrating for us and other Western allies, uh, condemning Russia for what it was doing in Ukraine. Uh, this last this week, uh, 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 President Biden had this. Uh, Big conference with leaders across Africa. Very good attendance. Forty-seven uh, African leaders showed up. Uh, Forty-seven countries were were attendance there, and it appears that we're going to uh, be throwing a lot of resources and attention towards Africa. Some of this will obviously be, you know, to aimed at diminishing Russian influence, but a lot of it aimed at diminishing uh, Chinese uh, influence across the continent, and. That's something that was in the news for about a day, <clears throat> but this is a big change. And I've I've been going uh, into Africa, all over Africa, for the last you know few years before COVID and, and, and certainly after COVID. And I and I see this as a as a big shift in our, our foreign policy that we're that we're moving back in Africa in a major way, and and that's going to have implications. It's going to have big implications for Russia um, and, and his entire Putin's entire periphery. Uh, is slowly starting to collapse. Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan have been pushing back that big thing where he said he wanted this natural gas consortium right. with those two countries. Uzbekistan said, basically, in so many words, go pound hot sand. No, nope, nope. And there was even there was even a discussion. They said if Russia tries in Ukraine, you know, tries to come south and do a Ukraine that uh. Um, what he's put, you know, in Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan, he said, you're going to see, you know, thousands of Russian corpses on the Kazakh steps. I'm like, 
that's some pretty strong language. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, and by the way, those are his allies. <laughs> These are the people who like him. <laughs> Put exactly, that on your yeah. Christmas list. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate uh, you calling in and give us, giving us an update. We haven't heard from you in a while. And in two weeks, you're going to be on the show with John Sullivan, and we're going to talk about the Chinese police and what they're doing. Yeah, that's 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 gonna be a fascinating discussion too. Because yeah, that's uh, that's there, there's a lot of there's a lot of nefarious things that the Chinese have been doing to extend their influence around the world and to control dissent uh, uh, overseas. And so uh, that should be a, a really good discussion. And uh, uh, looking forward to it. Okay, thanks for having me on, Sherry. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming on and and telling us the latest news on Ukraine. It sounds like they're doing a great job, and I'm proud of those people. Yeah, it's uh, it's phenomenal. It is phenomenal, and and uh, the courage the courage we're seeing in Ukraine uh, with the Ukrainians is is nothing less than, or, or it's, it's the same sort of thing that we we talk about from World War Two. Yeah, you know, just exactly. amazing, valiant actions and stuff like that. So, yeah, they deserve our praise. Okay, we'll be talking to you before next week. Okay, thanks, Sherry. Okay, take care. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Okay, I have a couple of announcements to make. TPD would like, if you have a camera in your house, security camera, they'd like you to register your camera. You don't have to. This is voluntary. But if there's a crime in the area, you might have some evidence that they could use. So go to the TPD website and voluntarily register your camera. This doesn't give them unlimited access to your camera. But if something happens, they'll ask you if they can look at any footage that you might have. And on... Uh, January 14th, there's going to be a movie, uh, anti-sex trafficking movie at the TPD, the 1310 Miracle Mile location, and it starts at 10 o'clock, and I'd like to see everybody there. It's important. Now, in the studio, we have the Tucson Airport Chief of Police, Scott Bader. Good morning. Morning, Cherry. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit. I... A lot of people don't know that Tucson Airport has their own police department. And it's really unique because there's only a handful of airports in the country that have their own department. So what got you interested in law enforcement and working at the airport? Well, Sherry, um, as a lot of us that are in this career choice, uh, it's something that we wanted to do as, as kids, as children. And... For me, I had a uh, a family member that was in law enforcement in the city of Anaheim. Um, he's since retired. I just remember seeing him in, in his uniform and, and seeing the patrol car and thinking that was that was the job to have. Uh, there was a lot of uh, pride and honor that I saw with him in that position. And... Um, that's what led me to where I'm at today. But prior to that, I I, I worked in uh, retail management and did that for just over 17 years and then made the switch into uh, doing law enforcement and law enforcement specifically at the airport. So when you became a law enforcement officer, you did it at the airport? That I did. That was your first? I did. Oh, wow. So they, they hired me as a, uh, as a recruit. And I went through the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Training Center. 
Um, I was going to ask you about that. Okay. Airport police go through what training center? What Or is it across the country? It doesn't matter. Do you so go to CODA? What you- we, we would look at, at when we're hiring, if we have somebody that is a recruit, we would be looking at when the soonest class is and then send that person to the, the soonest class. So if it, if it happened to be Siletsi, then they would go to Siletsi. And where's ha- that located? Siletsi? Yeah. That's the uh, Tucson Police Department Academy. Okay. Down on South Wilmot. I've never heard it called that. Yeah, Southern Arizona <laughs> Law Enforcement Training Center. Okay. And, okay, I think what I was thinking of was for um, corrections, correctional officers. Yeah, I'm not, I'm I, not, I'm not sure where their academy is, but... Um, yeah, I went through Siletsi, or okay. Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Training Center, and, and did uh, did my academy time there. And then when I completed that, then went to the airport and, and began my assignment and went through 16 weeks of field training and then became a solo officer. And worked your way up, so now you're the chief. Yes. You're in charge. I am. So when they when you do hiring... Can you do a lateral move from different agencies, or is it a unique situation that airport police have to go through a special training? No, uh, right now we're actively hiring lateral officers. Um, we we've had quite a few uh, officers come through and apply. Um, officers with a lot of great skill sets that they've learned at other agencies that um, that we really looked for as a an asset or a need for our department to broaden our capabilities. Yeah, because you're really with the public more, I think, than officers that are on the street or driving a cruiser around town because you're surrounded by people. Absolutely, absolutely. And so when when I have individuals that come and apply and they're potential candidates, uh, that is one of the first things that I explain to them that that this job is probably somewhere between 75 to 80 percent customer service and then the rest is is doing the the boots on the ground uh, law enforcement and so we really are looking for individuals that have a very unique ability to um, interact with the public a very community oriented style of policing um, kind of more down to the grassroots of law enforcement we're we're not in cars, you know. Our entire shift. We're we're in vehicles. We're on bicycles. We're on foot. We're we're doing a lot of different modes to patrol the areas that we're responsible for. Which is the entire airport. What what is your your turf? What is you know? What are the perimeters of your turf? So we've got the the main terminal, which is Tucson International Airport, and then there is uh, several. Uh, pieces of property that surround the airport that we own, a large section of uh, rural desert to the south, and then we're also responsible for Ryan Airfield out to the west. I was going to ask you that. Are you responsible for that airfield? Yes. Yes. And what about the private hangar where the VIPs park their little jets and stuff? At uh, Tucson International? Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 on our property. Yeah. Okay. I assume you're referring to Millionaire. Pretty the, much the one that's right there, at Campbell. Yeah. yeah, that's that falls under our jurisdiction. So you're kind of spread out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you you take uh, Tucson International and you take Ryan Field, uh, the total acreage is somewhere around twelve thousand acres. 
Wow. I didn't know that. That's huge. That's huge. Are you a pilot? I am not. Did you ever have a desire to become a pilot? I did. When I <laughs> when I was very young, I wanted to, to go into the military and be a, a pilot in the military. Do you have military experience? I do not. So you chose just to become a cop. Let's do it this way. Yeah. That's I, awesome. at, at one point, I was considering it, and... Um, you know the stars just didn't align quite right, and took a different took a different avenue. Sometimes that happens, you know. So, tell me about what's the biggest misconception people have about the airport and in the airport police department. That's a really good question. Um, well, you kind of you kind of touched on it earlier, which is people are surprised that the the airport has their own police department. And it's the only one in the state of Arizona. That is correct. That is correct. And there's only a handful across the country. There's only a handful of airports that have their own designated police department. Correct. And, and I was surprised to find that out. I thought they all had, you know, their own little unit, but not yeah, it so. Yeah, dep- it depends on who owns the airport. Is it the city is it a city you know, ran, maintained airport? Is it run by the county? Uh, for example, like up in Phoenix, uh, Sky Harbor is run by the city. Uh, so Phoenix PD is responsible for law enforcement at Sky Harbor. And so within Phoenix PD, they have their own division, uh, which is their airport bureau. And they are actually stationed at the airport. Correct. Correct. They are. So do you have puppies? We have three dogs at our airport. Are they all... What kind of dogs are they? Uh, so we have one that is a uh, sable German Shepherd. We have another one that is an all-black German Shepherd. And then we have another that is a German Shorthair Pointer. And what do they do? So those are our explosive detection canines. Uh, we get those dogs from Lackland Air Force Base uh, through a TSA program. And so the TSA and Homeland Security has a canine training center set up at, at Lackland. So those dogs are, in essence, uh, Department of Defense dogs that we get. Okay, if you have an officer who has a desire to become a canine officer, what type of training do they go through? Or do they? Yeah, they, they'll go through training. So we will go through uh, if and when we have a position uh, available as a canine handler. It's it's a very coveted position, very desired position to to be a canine handler. And I think that that goes across the board as an yeah. industry. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of individuals want to be a canine handler. So we will uh, we'll have a selection process and ensure that we're making the best selection for that position. And then uh, we will coordinate with the with the TSA, and uh, when they have their next class, and then that officer will go to Lackland, and they will spend time at Lackland. Uh, it is about twelve, somewhere between twelve and sixteen weeks that they're going to spend there, uh, learning everything that they need to know to be a canine handler, um, in conjunction with with TSA. And with working with their dog. Absolutely. Is it, it's really a relationship. Yeah. So when they get there, uh, they will, uh, they'll meet with the, the cadre that's there from TSA that does the training and they will, uh, in essence, uh, be introduced to several different dogs and then they will look to see which, 
which dog that handler has the best relationship with because it is a partnership. Absolutely. And they're they're spending 24 hours a day, 365 with with this dog. This dog goes with them to and from to work. And so we really need to make sure that there's a, a very cohesive relationship between between the handler and the canine. I've heard it say that sometimes the dog doesn't need as much training as the handler does. Yeah, you know, we we kind of joke too that a lot of the uh, the attitude and bad habits travel down leash. <laughs> it's it's nice to see the dogs at the airport. I've seen them at the airport. They're great, and um, you know, the the TSA does a, a fantastic job on getting those dogs and ensuring that they are the right dog to have in that environment. Um, you know, since we we began the program with TSA, we've seen—I don't want to say a lot of different breeds, but we've seen several different breeds. You know, when we first started, we had uh, Belgian Malinois, which are predominantly uh, your patrol dog, your bite dog. So they do have that more <laughs> of aggressive uh, appearance. Yeah. Uh, now, not to say that our our the Malinois that we had were or were not aggressive, uh, definitely handler protective, but that wasn't their mission. You know, yeah. their mission was to, to be, um, more on the passive side, um, you know, because if they find something and they alert on it, you know, we don't want the dog, you know, attacking the bag and, and disrupting <laughs> ripping, it, ripping right? apart the Louis Vuitton. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, you know, we've had, we've had Malinois, we've had Labradors, we've had uh, German short hair pointers, German shepherds. And so uh, the TSA is really, they really look at what dog is going to fit in there, something that doesn't have that intimidating people. Exactly, exactly. You know, there's the, there's the perception, you know, that, that the dogs are very intimidating. Yeah. Yeah, well, the dogs that you have aren't that intimidating. They're more approachable. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know TPD has some dogs that are, they're beautiful. And I know they're friendly because I've, I've, you know, been around them. But if I wasn't aware of who they were, I'd stay away from those dogs because they're just intimidating. And, there, and there's, a, there's a reason for that, right? Exactly. Yeah, they want to be intimidated. So the holidays are coming. People are going to be traveling, and I know, you know, common knowledge, you don't want to take hand grenades, machetes, hairspray on your flight. What else do people need to know about traveling? Uh, traveling this holiday season is going to be much different than it has been uh, over the last two years for obvious reasons, right? We had, our, we had our COVID pandemic, and so there was uh, quite a hit in the, in the travel industry. Uh, so not only does the police department, but the airport authority in, in, in general, we do keep abreast of trends and uh, pay very close attention to um, the TSA and what their projections are as far as passenger travel goes. And so uh, Thanksgiving, we saw numbers of travelers that were above pre-pandemic numbers oh wow so, yeah people are just like i want to get out of exactly here. <laughs> exactly right people people have not had the the opportunity to really travel as much as they would like to so i think that the public's really going to see this as an opportunity to be able to travel and maybe go see those family members that they haven't seen in, in a while because of because of covid and so but if you're traveling and you have your gifts with you don't wrap them right right don't wrap them because they will unwrap them. <laughs> yeah, depending on what the, depending on what they are, you know. So like, okay, is it ticking? 
unwrap the thing. You know, you don't want to wrap your gifts right until you get to where you're going. That that would be best practice, absolutely. What else do people should they not bring to the airport as far as trying to get through? You know the machine that they have to walk through and they get your suitcase gets x-rayed or i guess it's an x-ray right yeah yeah it's an x-ray now we can't go into detail for obvious reasons because of you know sensitive security information but true but you know know, don't don't bring what uh so we have seen over the last years uh quite an increase in um gun parts uh, folks are are carrying gun parts, which are not allowed. Uh, ammunition. Uh, quite often, we'll, we'll get called up to the checkpoint, and they'll have somebody that has a uh, a loose round in a bag because they grabbed a bag that they hadn't used in a while, and maybe it was something that they used when it, they went out to the range, or maybe they were on a hunting trip. So, uh, one of the things that I highly recommend when you travel and you're and you're getting your carry-on bag, go through all the pockets. Make, make sure, sure that everything is cleared out of there. You know, make sure that uh, you know you don't ha- you haven't left a pocket knife in there, or or again loose loose ammunition. Those things that are listed on the the prohibited item list, which everybody can go to the TSA website, and it'll give you a full list of what is uh, not allowed. Yeah, because if it's and they're very strict. And they yes. have to be. Yes, and and what nationally, um, we we've seen an increase in these items, and and there's there's you know no no intent behind it, no criminal intent, and so um, the the TSA really has taken a, a very zero tolerance standpoint on that, and and I've I've spoken to uh, different people that have gone through and they've forgotten something and they they've gotten a fine uh somebody i spoke to said they got a fine that was about five thousand to seven thousand dollars omg really yes what, what what did they have so uh individual was traveling out to a uh, gun show in las vegas so they have the um, annual shot show and okay. again it was one of those i grabbed a bag that i hadn't used in a while and i f- forgot that i had that in there that's and, a chunk of change. And yeah. where does these fines? I didn't know you'd get fined. Where does where does the money from the fines go? Christmas party or what? You know, <laughs> I I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I know that that the the uh, that the TSA has their regulatory compliance uh, individuals. They're the ones that will uh, will investigate this, and then it's um, civil sanctions that are issued through TSA. Wow, and. Did he have his stuff confiscated? Did they take it away from him? Well, um, in this case, no. It was uh, turned over to a family member that came out and, and picked it and up. Picked it up. So we always try our best to come up with a solution so an individual doesn't have to surrender it for destruction because that's that's what'll happen. It'll is, get destroyed. Yes. Even the well. Tell me some of the things that have been collected that, you know, I, I thought they had like, um, I don't know, a yard sale or something. <laughs> I didn't sell this stuff. <laughs> so so certain, certain items TSA will, will retain and then they, they have a means of disposal. Um, okay. The, the thing that we typically will collect for destruction is going to be the uh, ammunition. Okay. 
So all the other stuff, like they wanted to take my hairspray. I'm going, no, you're not. So now I believe, I believe <laughs> I, on those. Yeah, go check my bag. <laughs> so on those items that are that are uh, above, you know, the the number of ounces that you're permitted to have, those those are collected, and then I believe they do donate those to uh, charitable organizations. Oh, good. So it's not something that's just you know shoved in a dumpster someplace no 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 well i wish he had told me that i would have said okay take it (laughs) don't take it and throw it away yeah things that are donatable they absolutely donate to other nonprofits or charitable organizations for sure absolutely awesome so okay on here I'm, i'm looking at some bullet points tia you have that listed here people hear that all the time but it's taa Right? Yeah, so so you have TIA, which is the Tucson International Airport, right? And then you have TAA, which is the Tucson Airport Authority, which is the organization that runs and maintains the airport. And then we have you. And then you have the the Tucson Airport Police who protect everybody. Correct, correct. And then and then we also have our airport designator code, which is TUS. And a lot of people think it's TIA. Right, right. So if you if you're familiar or you're in the aviation industry, then you you know that TUS is the the airport code, and that's recognized across uh, you know across the nation. I've seen people use TUC thinking it's TUC, and that's like you said here, it's the place in Argentina. Yeah, correct. It's like you know, you know that's wrong wrong country. So, okay, it's going to get busy over the holiday this next week or so it's going to be insanely busy how early should people get to the airport i would say uh, i would go with the the standard get there a couple hours before your flight uh, just to give yourself plenty of time um, to get through security uh, plenty of time to get to your gate uh, plenty of time if you're parking if you're going to park a vehicle on any of the surface parking lots give your, that gives yourself plenty of time to get your car parked um, and and get into the terminal, get yourself situated. You know, sometimes things uh, can happen in the checkpoint where lines get backed up, and those are those are unpredictable. You know, you never know. Uh, TSA could be short staffed that day for yeah. whatever reason, and so they may not have as many screeners as they, as they would normally have. So those are things that are unpredictable, and you want to make sure that you give yourself plenty of time so you don't put all that added pressure and stress. Okay, we're going to take a break. I totally blew off the break at the bottom of the hour. We were busy talking. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a few. Daylight is fading and the temperature is dropping. You're not only cold, hungry, and lost in a densely wooded area, you're injured. Time is of the essence. Sarsi is a highly trained team of dedicated volunteers who work closely with Pima County Search and Rescue to help people in critical situations just like this. To join an exclusive team of heroes, go to sarsi.org. That's S-A-R-C-I.org. We need your knowledge, experience, and of course, your generous spirit. 
To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. This is Nathan Chabin, producer for Law Matters. I have a goal to reach, and I need your help. I want to put the DEA out of business. That's right, the Drug Enforcement Agency. If you have an addiction problem or know someone who does, please reach out to lawmatters1030.org and click the DEA tab for more information. Reaching out is the first step. We have the resources if you have the will. You can beat this demon and help me put the Drug Enforcement Agency out of business. Law Matters opens the lines of communication between you and law enforcement. Next week, we hear from Bill Moorman on the Shaven Appeal. And December 31st, Hal Kempfer and John Sullivan tell us what the Chinese police are up to. Have questions? Call in at 520-790-2040. Law Matters is totally funded by your donations. Please visit our sponsorship page at lawmatters1030.org to keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. Okay, thank you for staying with us. We're sitting here talking with Scott Bader, who's the chief of police for the Tucson Airport Police Department. And I know you're really involved with the community. Tell us about some of the things that you guys do for the community. So one of one of the things that we've done is we, we've become members with the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation in helping them raise funds uh, for all of our local law enforcement partners so they can go out and get needed supplies and equipment. Um. Recently, we went up and participated in the Arizona Law Enforcement uh, Canine Competition. Uh, two of our dogs went up and competed in that. Yeah, I, I was there. I saw you. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that was a pretty impressive competition. It was. And, and it's an annual thing. Yes, it is. It is. And how'd you do? You know, I don't, don't know remember. how well. I don't remember. <laughs> um, I know that both the handlers that we had up there... Uh, felt like it was a great learning experience and if they have some takeaways that they get from something like that that's that's a bonus whether they win or not absolutely that's you know we can always we can always grow from these situations because they're great learning opportunities absolutely and it was there were so many people there was a guy there from alaska Mm -hmm. brought his puppy from alaska to compete i don't know how he did i didn't get to see a lot of that because i was in a booth but amazing people in just a fun time, a fun weekend. It's a two-day affair. And next year, it's always in October. Correct. So I think they already have the dates out for when it's going to be. They do? I'm going to have to so. look I, it up. Check the website. So what else do you do for the community? I know you're involved. Yeah. So one of the other things that we did, and we were one of the first airports in Arizona do, to do this, was to be involved with the Department of Homeland Security's Blue Lightning Campaign, which is their anti-human trafficking campaign. Yes. And so when you come to the airport, uh, you will notice that there's um, media that we have strategically placed uh, to let people know what they can do if they're being trafficked and how they can get in touch with law enforcement or some assistance uh, type if organizations they if they need help. Yeah. And so that that was a big deal 
for the Tucson Airport Authority. We were the first ones in the state to to get involved with that. I've noticed the the signs are in the ladies' room in mm-hmm. in various places throughout, and uh, good for you because yeah. it's so so important. People don't realize how many people get trafficked right through the airport. Just yeah, you know. and you know we're we're during the, we're getting you know holidays right, and then we also have the gem show coming up. In the in Super January Bowl. in the Super Bowl, so those are unfortunate opportunities for these individuals uh, to either traffic or be trafficked, uh, which is, you know, an awful, awful thing as we all know. Do you have a holding cell there? We do, we do. We we have a temporary detention cell as we as we call it, and so if we get somebody that may be a little bit on the combative side, that's where we'll secure them while we complete paperwork, and then. Uh, We'll get them escorted out to a car and transport them to the to the jail. Have you noticed that people are are more combative now than they used to be? Uh, we we have seen with the the pandemic and then you know with the the Our mask candidate. mandates and and things that were in place that yeah we did we did see uh, a bit of a spike in the in flight disturbances. Okay, so somebody's on being a on a butt. <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> on an airplane and it lands at tucson do you meet them yes we do typically typically if the pilot reaches out to the control tower and requests law enforcement to meet the plane uh, we will be there to meet the plane and any individuals that are causing the disturbance depending on what type of disturbance it is we may wait for that individual to exit the aircraft and then make contact with them and find out what the situation was uh, if it's somebody that's on the plane and let's say they they are refusing to exit, we'll wait for the rest of the passengers to exit the plane and then Before we will you go tackle on. them. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I like to say that we're a little bit more of the kinder, gentler uh, <laughs> okay. law enforcement. You know, we, we try not to go uh, hands on right off the bat. Guerrilla really, warfare. <laughs> yeah, we really try to, to use our verbal judo skills and, and convince them that it would be in their best interest to uh, exit. So is there a training for the verbal skills? Do people go through, during your training process, do people go through that training to de-escalate? Yeah, yeah. So when when we get somebody, whether they're a a lateral police officer or if they're a recruit, uh, during their field training, that's when we we go over this with them and explain to them the differences between airport policing and, you know, your standard city or municipal police department. Yeah. And, and... You know, when we go through the academy, they always tell us you you have to behave like you're you're being watched by everybody, and that you're on because camera. You are. And literally at the airport, yeah, you're you're on camera. There's cameras everywhere. Everything is being recorded, even behind the pictures that are lining the <laughs> <laughs> smile. Well, I can't I can't confirm or deny that. There you go. <laughs> okay, I know you're a part of the Salif. Explain to people, our listeners, what Salif is and why you're a part of it. So SALIF is the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation, and, and I kind of briefly touched on that earlier. So they, they're a foundation here in, in Southern Arizona that raise funds to provide necessary equipment and supplies for law enforcement agencies. Uh, many many of of the agencies in, in our communities are are challenged with funding, right? 
Um, yeah, and so, that's unfortunate, but and true. so this organization uh, came to be and and has helped provide numerous uh, amounts of of equipment and ballistic vests and and I think they've even helped out with uh, procurement of even canines as well. And so it's just a great, great organization. We became a member uh, several years ago, and we help out with all of their community events that we can participate in uh, because we think it's a it's a great cause and a great organization. It is a great cause, and they do a lot of different things. I know, did you take part in the poker run? We did take part in the poker <laughs> run, and, and we had uh, quite the stop set up out there at the airport, and and I'll brag a little bit. My my other fellow law enforcement leaders are probably going to shame me for this, but we we ended up having a uh, competition for the best stop, and we ended up winning that best stop. So. Good for you. That's so, awesome. Yeah, you know, and, and, and myself and my team, we really collaborated on what we could do to, to stand out and how we could encourage more people to participate in that poker run, right? Mm-hmm. So more, more people that participate in it uh, creates more funds that Salif can generate to, to help the, the local agencies. And it's a fun way to raise money. Oh, absolutely. We, it's just, you know, so what did you do that stood out? Boy, uh, I, I kind of joke and say, "What didn't we do?" Uh, we we had a lot of we had a lot of things there. We we had a dunk tank set up, and I actually participated in that and climbed did you inside get of it. I did, I did a couple of times, and I wasn't invited. <laughs> well, we'll make sure to send you a personal invite next okay. time, right? Right? Uh, the, uh, the Tucson Roadrunners they helped out great. Dusty came out and was interacting with the writers and got a lot of great photo ops. And so you really put on a, a huge event. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did. And then uh, you know we had a, a photo booth where they could get their pictures taken with Dusty or just do a photo of themselves on on the ride. We had uh, Galaxy Theaters donated several huge bags of popcorn, and then wow. also give a shout out to EG's donated. Uh, there are uh, several buckets of their, their frozen EG's drink mix that we had there, too. You know, that too. organization, that company is huge. They really, really support the community. They do. I mean, you could ask them, you know, hey, I, I need this for a raffle or for, you know, a gift card for somebody who really needs something. They're always right there. They, I really admire them. Yeah, they, did, they didn't even think twice about it. Exactly. We asked them and they said, sure, what, what do what you do need? What do you need? Exactly. And so, so was this held at the airport? Yeah, so uh, we, have our <laughs> ma- we have our maintenance facility, which is right across from the cargo ramp there. Right. And it, it worked out great for us. The riders were able to come in, uh, park their bikes, get off, um, interact with our police officers, do the little fun events that we had going on, grab a quick bite to eat, uh, make a restroom stop if needed. Uh, we had bottles of water and, and everything, and then they could get back on the bike and, and head on for the rest of the run. I used to set up the mystery runs for the Streeterville Scramblers in Chicago. So, you know, a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot of planning going into it. And then um, I'll, I'll tie into one of the other things that we just recently did, and, and we kind of kicked this off just before Halloween, is starting to come up with uh, specialty limited edition collectors police patches so we did one for halloween uh we did one for breast cancer awareness and then we just did one for the winter holiday and so right now i think we're somewhere near the 
the $2,500 to the $3,000 mark. Don't quote me on that, that denomination, but Speaking next week. Speaking of my sleeve. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> next week, uh, we're going to go meet with, uh, with some, uh, some local families, and we're going to go do some holiday shopping with them. Very cool. You'll be in uniform while you do that? Yes, absolutely. We'll be Very in uniform cool. with that, and I'm sure we'll get, we'll get some photos, and, and those will be on our, our social media accounts. Okay. You have a website? The The Tucson Airport Authority does have a website. Do you have a website? The police department, we do not have a specific website tailored. We're, we're just tied into the airport authority. Do you have a most wanted list? Uh, <laughs> not, no, not really. Not, not really. Not really. A do not fly list? <laughs> well, that, you know, that, that kind of falls more under TSA and, <laughs> so we're, and we're, the federal partners. Okay, so when things happen, and I know when things happen, like I had my hairspray, they called the police and James showed up. I'm like, hi, James. <laughs> <laughs> Can you take this? No? Okay, I'll, I'll check my back. So <laughs> they work together on a lot of things. Oh, we have, we have a great relationship with, with the TSA. It is very collaborative. Uh, it is, it, it's great. Um, I, I'd say that maybe... You know, years ago when the TSA was was first um, created, that there there was probably a semi adversarial relationship. Yeah. But I think that the airport authority and the police department has has done a great job in really uh, fostering a, a cohesive uh, relationship and really look at them as as a partner. Absolutely. In this, to ensure that everybody's safe when they're traveling, because we want people to feel safe when they come to the airport. Okay. Plan plans for the holiday. Plan on getting there early. Don't wrap any gifts. Leave your hairspray at home. No grenades. No machetes. All that kind of stuff. And there's a, on the airport website. There's a whole list of things that you cannot bring. Yeah, and the TSA website. TSA website. TSA, yeah. And then also, too, just to, to touch on uh, traffic and driving, Yeah, uh, please take your time getting to the airport. I, I've seen across the, the city and the county, we've had a number of vehicle collisions. Yeah. So please, please, please take your time coming into the airport. Uh, it's worth taking extra few minutes to get there exactly, and be safe. Exactly. End up in rush, rush, rush and... Some yeah. knucklehead runs a red light and T-bones you. Yeah, and and realize that the the speed limit as you're coming down Tucson Boulevard, approaching the airport, it it progressively starts to decrease. You know, you start off at about forty, forty five, down to twenty five, down to fifteen when you get into the terminal. So please take your time. Yeah, you have to be really careful and be cognizant of everybody around you. I want to thank you for coming on and talking to us about this. I've learned a lot. I always learn from people that come on the show. I hope our listeners learn, too. And have a nice holiday season. Same to you. You have to work Christmas Day? Uh, I won't be working Christmas Day. Just thought I'd ask. And until next week, (laughs) shop local, stay safe, and have a nice holiday. And I'll see you right after the holiday.
Law Matters opens the lines of communication between you and law enforcement. Next week, we hear from Bill Moorman on the Shaven Appeal. And December 31st, Hal Kempfer and John Sullivan tell us what the Chinese police are up to. Have questions? Call in at 520-790-2040. Law Matters is totally funded by your donations. Please visit our sponsorship page at lawmatters1030.org to keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org.